Awesome. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Talk is Cheap, the Fight Against Mediocrity. Today, we have Ty Defibane. He is amazing. Ty's mother brought him and his family from Laos in 1980 to the United States of America. He says it's an amazing country. Um, they came over as refugees. He was raised in wonderful Utah. Ty is a huge outdoor fan. He has been in the car business with Carl Malone since 1998 and started to invest in real estate in 2001, um, which he's just killed it at. Ty always says we are blessed with massive opportunities all around us. His motto is taking action, continuous improvement, family first, and living life. So definitely a great fit for the podcast. And we're excited to learn from you today, Ty. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Excited to be here. Never done a podcast before. Been approached a couple of times, but when you approached me, I was like, you know what? Kevin's such a cool guy. I vibe with him professionally and uh, you like to say on and off the court. So I'm going to take Kevin up on it. See, see what we can both learn together. Hey, well, I really appreciate that. That uh, means a lot that you take the time. I know you're busy. Um, tell me about your career, um, how you got started in the car business and what that has looked like for you. Dude, it's been an amazing ride and time has really flown. So 1998, you know, had a young son and was going to the U, the company I worked for, basically stocking shelves while going through college, stocking uh, at grocery stores, drinks, went out of business. So I had to get a job. Didn't know anyone in the car business and drove by the dealership, Carmelo Toyota, they recently opened. I drove in and interviewed. I said, hey, I want to sell cars. Didn't know anyone at all. Uh, the manager said, hey, everything sounds good, looks good, you have a good vibe. Go home, get a shirt and tie. One problem, Kev, dude, I never owned uh, a, a tie before. So right there by South Town Mall, walked into the dealers and asked the salesman, I said, you know, can you sell me a tie and teach me how to tie it? So we did that. It was a little bit awkward trying to learn how to tie a tie right away. Make a long story short, you know, bought a couple of ties and he tied it for me and I kept it that way. And on the way out, he says, here, buy some clip-ons. And I did that, walked back in and they said, you're hired and kind of the rest is history, you know? Wow. So you started off as a salesperson and then what were the next steps and, and uh, how did your career pro pro progress there? So two years uh, in the, into the car business while I was going to the U, said business, business finance um, was promoted. At the time, we were a Larry Miller store. So I was one of Larry's, uh, Larry Miller's one, youngest managers and started in finance and, uh, you know, it just worked out. And I think that, you know, what really paved the way is the fact that, you know, I, I, I feel like I was always high energy and love people. And in any business, it's a people business. If you can relate to people, if, uh, if you're genuine and authentic, you'll succeed, you know, and, uh, and uh, never look back. And have you always been like that high energy or um, what would you recommend? How can people be like you? Well, it's not about being like me. I, I feel like the best thing you could do is be you. But I know that when I wake up in the morning, you know, I do know that uh, I'm blessed and, and I do live by the, the rule that health is wealth and Hey, but I can get up in the morning and I'm not aching and there's people out there with cancer or fighting mental or physical illness. And I don't, I feel like I'm already ahead. So, you know, and, and coming from humble beginnings, I feel like there's so much that I have to prove to myself because I'm in competition with myself. And the biggest failure I think is if I don't reach my potential and being from humble beginnings and knowing that, Hey, any day I think could be our last day. We could be so healthy. We could be all the above. And 
get hit by a bus or get T-boned, or you could be vegan and still get cancer. So in my mind, if that's the case, then, you know, if I can get up in the morning and accomplish things, I'm going to do it, you know, physically, mentally, business-wise. Plus, I don't want to let myself down. And even at 44 years old, I really don't want to let my family or my mom down. You know, I still have that mindset, you know? Yeah. So what would you say, you know, you mentioned your family, gratitude, wanting to reach your potential, you know, are those all the things that keep you driven every single day? What else drives you to succeed? Well, yeah, I think, I think success, everyone defines differently, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're only in competition with yourself because no matter what, there's always someone bigger, faster, stronger, prettier, richer, smarter, all the above, but all you can be is you and all I can be is me. And so Toyota has a saying called Kaizen and it stems from their assembly and manufacturing plants where it's all about continuous improvement. And as long as you're getting better and anyone can stop the assembly line in the chain to interject, you know, as long as it's within the context of what can we do to build a better process? What can we do to make things run smoother? And what can we do to get better? And in my mind, you know, that's, that's always, you know, been instilled in me since I've been with Toyota since 98. And why can't we apply that in everything we do? You know, you're in competition with yourself, get better. And getting better is just by being disciplined in my mind and taking action. Because I mean, I feel like I'm high energy and I can be motivated, but we can't always be motivated because we're human, right? Oh. You know, we're going to be like, you know, highs and lows, but we can always be disciplined, I feel. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so you, you've been in the car business, you've absolutely crushed it. What was the biggest lesson you learned from Larry Miller? Well, from the Larry Miller group, I know that I was fortunate and blessed to be in a group where, you know, he laid the, the foundation for hard work and honesty. Now, he was not a perfect man and he knows it and everyone knows it, but none of us are. Mm -hmm. But he was honest and he always told you and demonstrated the ugly truth versus a beautiful lie, right? So what would you rather have, the ugly truth or a beautiful lie? And so if you have the ugly truth, you could deal with it. You can come up with solutions and move on, you know? And, uh, And that work ethic that he brought to the group and the town and you know, was, was, was really, uh, it stuck with me, you know? Yeah. I think one of the, one of my favorite things that you've mentioned over and over again is not comparing ourselves to someone else because it's just a life of misery. Like it's a life of sadness, but if we're always comparing ourselves to who we were yesterday, I mean, it gives us a benchmark to improve and, um, have continual happiness. So I love that. You mentioned several times discipline, um, what are some of the daily habits that are non-negotiables for you? Oh, man, that's a great question. Because, uh, I, I mean, for me, it's about continuity and discipline. And so definitely wake up, brush your teeth, work out. And then, like, I mean, I'm 44 and, and knowing that health is wealth because what's a, like, how can you run a family? How can you run a business if, if, if you can't take care of yourself? Just like on the airplanes, they say, hey, wear a mask in a case of emergency so you can help everyone else. If you can't take care of yourself physically and mentally, how could you be of service to others mm-hmm. and to your family and to your workplace and to your loved ones? You know, yeah. so getting up, working out in the morning, you know, uh, you know, taking a 
you know, uh, hydrating with BCAs and pre-workout, just getting your day started. Because I feel like if I can take control of my day and get that rolling and punish myself in a controlled manner, then the rest of the day is truly easy, right? I mean, because in my mind, you got to battle test yourself. And if you could do that, and then, and then, and then it just sets the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah, no, I love that. And you, you can't tell here in the video, but Ty is jacked. He, he can, you can definitely tell he hits the gym every morning. And so health is wealth for sure. And I think that's, this is another topic, but I think that's something that unfortunately, um, Larry Miller, although extremely hardworking, um, didn't take care of his health if you read his biography. And so, you know, I'm sure that's one of the lessons you learned from seeing him and other people like, Hey, if you're not healthy, like what else do you have? You don't have anything. Exactly. And I would definitely agree with that. And that's a cool thing about having, you know, how you can define your own mentors. Um, you know, like whatever you like from Larry Miller or, or, or Elon or Gates or, or Carmelone or anyone, you take what you like and the lessons that, that they give, you receive. And then, you know, you can have inspiration from everywhere, but you could, you could learn, and, and I try to, from everyone's wins and losses. Because we're human, dude, we're not gonna be perfect, but you know, the wins that you get and the losses that you get, you learn from it. And the wins and losses that, from the people that you like and love, you know, take and learn from them also. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. And I think you mentioned to me one time you get to spend some time with Carl Malone, right? Does he manage? I'm guessing his team and you manage his his store, but how often do you get to uh, associate with him? He's for those of you who don't know, he is one of the Hall of Fame legend basketball players, NBA basketball players here in Utah. But what have you learned from Carl as you've worked with him? Oh man, working for Carl Malone is unbelievable. It's a blessing. It's exactly working for a celebrity owner that walks the walk, talks the talk. Uh, you know, I mean, he 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 exudes and demonstrates everything I believe in. You know, um, working hard, discipline, learning from your mistakes, taking care of your family, growing and scaling your business. You know, and of course, he's taken an awesome page from the Larry Miller Group because, I mean, if he didn't get to play for an amazing owner and an awesome city and town that brought him along, because you're an average of your friends. And if the average of his friends when he was playing ball was the state of Utah and the values and ethics that Utah brings versus let's say if he played in like LA or Miami, you know, he's going to be average of his friends. And if they're going out every night partying and going to, you know, the wrong places and with owners that don't care, who knows where his career would go. But being that he grew up in, uh, you know, playing in Utah around the beehive state with good work ethic and amazing ownership and values of course, that's going to bleed over to him, which in turn bleed, you know, bled over to us and 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 all our long-term thinking. We're able to to take some good things out of it and and grow. Yeah, I mean, I love kind of the underlying of what you said. You know, Carl was very loyal to Utah, um, unlike a lot of NBA and sports players today, where you get a lot of team changes and stuff. Carl spent, you know, um, I don't know exact amount, but almost twenty years in Utah. And you've been with Carl Malone 23 years, so which is really cool, the loyalty that, that he had and that has helped you have the same loyalty with him. Um, so let's transition a little bit. 
you're killing it over at Calm Alone. One day you're like, hey, real estate's my thing. Let's do it. Tell me that story. So I got my start in real estate in like 2000, 2001 while working at the dealership. You know, I mean, growing up, I would, you know, check out all these videos and Sandy and Draper. And I was like, when I got my driver's license, I was driving around. I said, one day, man, how do those guys own and afford all those big homes and properties? And, you know, I mean, coming from where I came from on, on the West side and growing up in West Valley, I knew, I, I mean, I didn't feel like we were poor because my mom worked hard and she was able to provide for us. She worked, she literally worked two jobs at a donut company. And, um, you know, there's a difference between being poor and getting started. And I knew that we were just getting started because we never had any, you know, we had pride in what we did and seeing what, you know, knowing that even from a young age in this country, all you have to do is get to work. You can have two, you can have three jobs. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Whatever someone else is doing, just copy it, follow it. And then that recipe in this beautiful country we're in, you could duplicate. You know, yeah, there's gonna be roadblocks. Yeah, you can make excuses, but make it happen. Someone's done it, figure it out and copy it. So driving in the foothills of a lot of these uh, beautiful uh, mountain uh, 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 towns, I said, you know what, how do I get there? So, you know, I was making good money in the car business at 2021. I got my first car and I bought my first three townhomes in Draper. Okay. So in 2000, those townhomes were built by the Garbets, mm -hmm. um, right below Draper, right below, below the hang glider park. And those are only 100, 120 to 130,000 each. And at that time, you know, I put 20% down, which is not a big deal. So you're putting down 30, 35,000 with closing costs, right? And your payment's seven, 700 ish plus HOAs or 80 bucks at the time. And then you're renting them out for, you know, 900. And then, you know, over time, definitely it makes sense. Everything grows and appreciates. And, and my wife and I, we started buying town, townhomes you know, by, you know, every single year, two or three till today. Um, and your wife is, she got her real estate license and is handling most all of that, which yes. I think she's done really well with that as well, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, everything is definitely a team sport. You definitely can't do it on your own. And my wife has worked hard, been a blessing. We're fortunate where she was always a stay-at-home mom, but same home mom don't don't take that lightly they work 24 7 and they never get a break so all the props to the moms and the wives out there but as we grew our our side hustle our side business you know she's taking phone calls and screening apps and and you know touching base with all our tenants and then she'll she'll definitely touch base with me on when i need to get involved to to get contractors or emergencies happen but you know, it's definitely a team sport. And that's the thing I love about real estate is, man, you don't have to quit your day job yet. You can keep growing and scaling. And as we know, it's get rich slow and not get rich quick. And over 15, 20 years, then, you know, good things happen. Yeah, get rich for sure. And not get rich quick. Yeah. Um, and so definitely a slow game as you built it up. Tell me where you're at now. You know, how many rentals do you have and what projects are you working on? So getting rich slow was amazing because all we did was buy one, two, some years, three or four or five, sold a few. But for the most part, the long-term game is to keep those because cash flow and equity, depreciation, taxes, all those things add up. Yeah. So now fast forward, you know, 18, 19, 20 years later, 
building a real estate portfolio that's that's gone up in value, you know, and everything's gone up here in Utah, especially in the Wasatch Front so much, you know, we started to transition a little bit out of that into more now building and flipping. And that's a cool thing about real estate is, man, if you get bored with one strategy or one thing, there's so many different asset classes and strategies that you can get involved with to make money and scale and grow. And then now by building and flipping, I feel like, you know, I can get a bigger return quicker and faster and transition because since property values have grown so much and the cap rates have compressed and Hey, let's build, let's ride the wave because people are paying a premium for existing real estate to control because everyone wants to be an investor and everyone wants to be an owner occupied. Let's see what's in that arena and get after it. So, you know, a lot of my focus right now is trying to, uh, to build and flip and it's been amazing. Yeah. And you know, you, you're, you come from the car business. And so when you're getting into real estate, I think what a lot of people will say is, well, I don't know it, or I don't understand it, or it's scary. How do you overcome those doubts and those feelings of inadequacy? Well, it's for sure. Number one, do your homework and, and get a good feel, get your fundamentals, just like anything, you know I mean? Like if you want to be a, a bodybuilder, if you want to lift, take the first step, get on YouTube, Google it, take action. Who's already, who's already in shape, watch it, you know, get a gym membership. And then a day turns into a week, turns to a month, turns to three months, turns to six months. Next thing you know, you get changed. So just like that gym analogy now in real estate. Okay. Cause everyone knows someone that's, that's doing something in real estate, but the first step is buy your first property, you know, by owner occupying it. And then by virtue of that, you're going to get an, an, uh, a solid foundation of, Hey, what is equity? What is appreciation? You know, what is interest? What is principal reduction? You know, what is a HELOC? And then you live in a property for two, three years and it goes up in value. Now you have a concrete understanding. Wow. Just by virtue of me living in this, it went up 40 grand. Whose money is that? It's your money. But you did it with the bank's loan, mm -hmm. you know, and but did you have to share the equity with the bank? No, it's all yours. Then, then now you say, wow, that sounds great. How do I get, how do I do this again? So hence your first rental and then second and third and fourth and fifth. And then there'll be a point I'm sure where, you know, you get capital restraints and, and where you can't scale. And then there's other strategies that you can deploy and put in place and team up and, and, uh, and grow from there. Yeah. And what I love about that so much is it really is just start. Like it doesn't have to be something big, just start. And a few things that really stood out to me from what you said is like, you were driving around, putting yourself um, in the environment that you wanted to be in. You wanted to be in one of those big, nice homes. Okay, how are they doing this? If you would have tried to go directly from where you were at to the big house, maybe it would have been overwhelming, but instead you said, hey, let's just take one step at a time. You know, what's the next step? Okay, let's do it again. Let's, let's do this. Let's try this. Um, and I know you just don't quit and you keep going. So I love that so much. Um, and then the other thing that I love that you said, um, there's a difference between being poor and getting started. And I knew we were just getting started. So that's incredible.
Um, one thing that I'm really curious about as you've been growing your business, um, two things, I guess I'll start with this one. How, as you've started flipping homes, obviously that's not something you can do by yourself. And I don't even, I don't think you do any of the construction. How did you find and build a team and what have you learned as you built that team? So it was a natural progression, you know, like, like we said, you every day you're learning and transitioning from owning rentals, you know, every once in a while you'll get a tenant that let's say wasn't the best tenant. You didn't screen them properly and they tear up your property. So let's say for example, you know, I had a town home in West Jordan People lived there for seven, eight years. They always paid their bills on time. So we never bothered. You know, we should have, you know, had a process in place we do now where, you know, you should be doing a walkthrough at least every six months and on the, or once a year, but because they always paid on time and they seem so nice, we let it slide. And then when they moved out six, seven years later, we walk in and it was like a bomb went off. Like we, the renovation you know, we had to take down to the studs, rip out the carpets, the baseboard, oh the flooring, the cats. So then now, by inherent default, you know, you be in a way became a flipper. Because yeah. now I'm arranging for the drywall guy, the flooring, the cabinet guy, so full gut. So then once we spent, you know, six weeks doing a full gut, arranging for all the subs to come in, and now we have a pristine, crystal clean property again. Now the decision is made, uh, comes up, hey, am I gonna re-rent this now after I just put 25, 30 grand into renovating this yeah. to make two, $300 a month? Now, you know, realize that I've owned this 10, 12 years and it's double in price, or do I sell it because it's in tip top shape, walk away with the equity and split that equity three ways. So now look at the lesson in that one. So, you know, by renovating it, I gained experience. I made a decision, hey, let's take the equities, let's sell it off, do a 1031 exchange, branch off into three more units, pick up one, two, three, and then reposition those units uh, and stabilize those with tenants. And then lo and behold, two, three years later, those townhomes each go up, but then you have your cover, your basis covered three times. And then now, lo and behold, you have a business that's, even by accident, you're evolving into other areas and other facets of real estate that, that you can make money on. And so it's, it, it's, it's been awesome. So we've grown into flipping and then flipping turned into partnering up with some general contractors and now we're building. Yeah. And um, I like how you just said it was a natural progression um, because, you know, luck follows preparation and you were prepared to take the next step and move into that. Um, I'm curious, what, what's the process you have in place now for renting and, and making sure that someone's not destroying your place? So that is an amazing question. Um, I should be more disciplined with that, but uh, basically my wife and I had a conversation and I mean, we didn't learn the first time and the second time because we're such people person. We yeah. just relied on their personality and we got to know yeah. all our tenants and we just trusted them. Yeah. So after getting burned, probably not one, two, three, four, five, after the fifth or sixth time, we said, finally, hey, every six months, let's do a, you know, basic walkthrough, you know, we'll be in and out. And then at that point you have a checklist of, Hey, yeah, but, but before you do that walkthrough, you let them know a month ahead and then two weeks and then the day of that way. And there you plant the seed in the back of their mind. Uh oh, if there's something that we need to address, let's do it before the walkthrough. So then you eliminate a lot of problems from the get go, you know? Um, so they, 
will take care of themselves before it gets huge. But then if there is an issue, you can be all on the same page and in that inspection. And then they have some time before their lease is up to remedy that yeah. versus their lease is up. And then you do a walkthrough a month before their lease is up and now it's too late and your deposit will nowhere near cover the damages. And it's just a goose chase after that. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Um, and I'm probably the same way. I'm like very much, a, Hey, I trust you. It's going to be okay. But I found that the, the processes and the systems, you know, there's a reason that they need to be there. It's not just because you're trying to be mean, you know, they have a purpose. Um, my second question was, um, as we wrap this up, I want to be respectful of your time. Real estate's amazing because you can leverage other people's money and you can use debt and banks are great partners. Um, yep. Obviously, the bigger balance sheet you have, the more banks are going to want to work with you. I'm sure that's not really much of a problem for you at this point. But as you started out working with banks and learning their processes, what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had? Um, and what have you learned as you've worked with the banks that you would advise people getting into real estate? That's a, that's a solid, solid question because, I mean, it's mindset. And you're right. Other people's money is huge. I was lucky that I had a good income that I could grow and scale to, you know, eight, nine, 10 units. But after that, you're right. The FH. I mean, the FHA, the conventionals, the basic mortgages walking into the, the U.S. banks and the credit unions stop at eight, nine, 10 units. So you do have to leverage, uh, you know, local banks and, and, and get with uh, portfolio lending. And you do have to be transparent. So a lot of landlords, to answer your question, look, if you want to grow, then you have to be transparent with your finances. When you get one, two, three rentals, and then you, you figure, well, I won't report this and Maybe I'll slide with that. Uh, I'll write this down. And then you'll get away with that. But if you want to grow at a big scale, you know, you do have to show a healthy balance sheet, healthy assets, healthy liquidity, healthy revenue, healthy income. And then once you can produce that and you partner with the local lenders and they know that you know what you're talking about, that you're growing and you're running a legit, legitimate business, you could use their money to grow you know, but if you want to grow, you got to do it the right way. There is no get rich quick. Um, you know, you got to do it the right way. You got to find a way to put down the money and the equities, you know, have your 20% down solid and, and have some type of cash flow and debt service, you know, 120% and off you go, you know. I, and so I've always done it the hard way and the right way and the slow way. I'm sure there's get rich quick schemes out there. That's not what I do. And, um, cause I want to be here in the long term. you know, to, to do that in the long term, team up and do the right thing. Yeah. I love that. Keeping good records, teaming up, being transparent, um, building relationships with the local banks. Uh, that's great advice. And, um, you know, I met Ty because he wanted to buy some townhomes and he called me and he said, Hey, I want to see these. He went and looked at them. And then like the next day he had sent over an offer um, and what's really cool about that is uh, there were a lot of people that wanted to buy those same ones that second guessed themselves, uh, said, maybe I'll think about it. I don't know. It's kind of scary, but because you pulled the trigger on, on it so quickly and on so many of them, they've all increased in value over a hundred thousand dollars in eight months. And so, you know, um, luck favors those who take action 
Um, and so biggest lesson we can learn here from Ty is just take action, just get started, walk into a dealership and ask for a job. Um, I love it so much. Um, I have one more question that I'll save till the end, but if people want to follow you and get in touch with you, how can they do that? Oh, that's a great question. So I've always been fairly private and you're kind of the first podcast that, uh, not the first that's reached out, but the first I've, I've accepted. And, you know, I like to just take care of my family, do my thing, live life hard and have fun. But I, you can always find me at Carmelo Toyota. I'm there like 50 hours a week and growing there and, and meeting everyone and working hard. And then also my Instagram is Ty DeBain. You can definitely check me out there and follow. And also on Facebook, Ty DeBain. And if you have any questions, I'll do everything I can to answer those for you. I don't know it all, but the lessons that I've learned, I'm willing to share. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's grow our network and have life because we got one life and we'll all leave. We'll, we came with nothing and we'll leave with nothing. So let's let's work hard and have fun and, and grow together. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Ty. Last question is, what does the fight against mediocrity mean to you? Man, I love that saying, and I will always stand behind that. So, hey, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of you and talk is cheap, but it's basically not settling for, for yesterday. You're in competition with yourself, so just take action and, and be the best you. And to be the best you is just be better than you were yesterday and keep, keep learning little by little, day by day. Like I said, a day turns into a week, turns into a month turn to six months. Remember this, one bad meal will do nothing for you. One good meal will do nothing for you. It's consistency. Just like one missed workout does nothing for you. One good workout does nothing for you. Be consistent. Don't, you know, talk is cheap. Take action and, and uh, follow, follow your boy, Kevin, right there. I am. I love it. Thank you so much, Ty, for being on the podcast. Um, I know everyone will really enjoy it. So thank you so much. Have a good day. Cool.